we're on a mission to help women get healthy for good. Join me each week for a new episode that'll help you sustain healthy habits and nourish your body so you can flourish in life. When it comes to nutrition, does it feel like you know what to do, you're just not doing it? Or maybe you find yourself stuck in this annoying all or nothing cycle. If it sounds like I'm reading your diary, well, that was my diary for a while too. And it's also the story of the thousands of women I've personally coached. That's why I created Flourish, the nutrition and body image support app made for women. If you recognize that diets don't work, but just not dieting isn't helping you feel your best either, download Flourish today. Your first live session with one of our credentialed nutrition and psychology experts is totally free, no credit card required. From there, you'll continue your journey with personalized accountability and support so that once you graduate from Flourish, you'll never need another nutrition program again. So head to the show notes and download Flourish for iOS or Android today. You're listening to the Nutritional Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Siegel, registered dietitian, founder of Nutritional Freedom, and total stationary nerd who's sharing episodes each week to help you ditch diets and get healthy for good. We'll dive into what really works when it comes to creating sustainable nutrition and health habits, ways to improve your body image, and how all of this helps you live a life that's in alignment with your values. Because that's what really matters, right? Let's dive in. Hello there. Welcome back to the Nutritional Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Claire Siegel. (laughs) It is so nice to be here with you. Excited to get, again, a little bit personal in today's episode, sharing more about what I've learned from diets, my personal dieting journey. As you may know, I spent over a decade of my life on diets learned a lot about myself through that. And I've also learned an immense amount from our clients, our Nutritional Freedom members and their dieting history. But before we get into that, I wanted to share a recent listener review. So thank you so much to anyone and everyone who has left us a rating and a review in iTunes. It is so helpful for us. And it's It's just a little morsel of joy in my day. I have to be honest with you. I check for new ratings and new reviews quite frequently. So this one that came in from Jill Beanie really just made my day. So she says, stop scrolling and listening to this podcast. Claire is so good at breaking down concepts in easy to understand ways. I also enjoy that she talks about mindset and habits around food rather than just the food itself. Learning so much, highly recommend. Oh, yes. We got to talk more than just about the food because it's it's about the food and it's also so not about the food. <laughs> and I just love digging deeper. I love getting to kind of like the root cause level of women's struggles with food. All right. So with that, let's get into today's episode, what I've learned from diets. So, I mean, if you're here, if you know me, If this is not your first episode, you already know I'm not a fan of diets. This is your first episode. Welcome. I'm Claire Siegel. I'm the registered dietitian and founder of Nutritional Freedom, and I'm not a fan of diets. (laughs) But 
Like I said, I've also learned so much about myself through them, my own personal experience. And then also, again, like I said, you know, the journey and process of helping hundreds of women at this point through the process of ditching diets and getting healthy for good. So today I'm going to share what I've learned through my decade of diets so that I can kind of give you the cliff notes version and you can begin your own journey to nutritional freedom. Okay. So I'm going to save you a lot of time, a lot of strife, a lot of pain, a lot of trial and error. So you're welcome. (laughs) All right. So let's start with what dieting is and what dieting isn't. Because let me tell you, for a big part of that decade, I wouldn't have even have thought or certainly told you that I was dieting. But in hindsight, oh my gosh, I was doing it with the best of them. All right. Because the truth is, dieting isn't just about what you're eating or how much. So much of dieting has to do with how you relate to food and how your thoughts and feelings about food relate to your thoughts and feelings about yourself, okay? So here's the very interesting thing, what I call a natural non-dieter. So someone who has just essentially been not dieting for their whole life, a natural non-dieter doesn't really think that much about food. And they certainly don't evaluate their own like moral or ethical standing based on what or how they ate. Okay. So I've, I've told you all before about my sister, my younger sister. She's fantastic (laughs) for so many reasons, but it's interesting. One of the ways that, you know, throughout my whole life, I've looked up to her and also like protected her is in her own approach to food and in her own relationship to food. She has never been on a diet in her entire life, which is something that like I never thought would be possible for me. I I look at her and the way that she's always related to food and for so long she was really this like aspirational example for me. And now, you know, we approach food, you know, in much the same way. I just have a much more interesting heated <laughs> history with it. But whenever I'm thinking about like a natural non-dieter, what would, you know, what would a natural non-dieter do? I look to my sister. And she is someone who has such a normal, healthy, beautiful relationship with food and thereby with herself. She never, you know, lets overeating mean something about her. She never lets, you know, eating a certain type of food mean something about her or how good or bad she is. There's never any transactional, you know, relationship between food and exercise, for example, and there never has been. Okay. So that's something really interesting just to think about. If you in your own life have natural non-dieters, think about that, right? Think about the ways that they engage and interact with food, how they think about their body, how they talk about their bodies. That's such a good, you know, kind of an expander for you. Someone who can show you what is possible if you're someone who is not a natural non-dieter. I I was not a natural non-dieter, right? I actually had to put in work to unlearn dieting behavior and dieting mentality. Okay. So that was the the number one thing that I've kind of learned, especially in hindsight around dieting is that it's not just about what you're eating and how much I used to think I was only dieting when I was restricting my calories, you know, uh, intentionally, but that is really, really not the case. Okay. So number two related here, 
you don't need to be on a specific diet to be engaging in either diet mentality or diet behavior. Okay. And I want to break down those two things because they are separate but related. Okay. So dieting mentality can often look like labeling certain foods as good and bad, and then kind of extrapolating those labels to yourself if you eat them. So for example, if you've labeled pizza as bad, then, you know, you may feel guilt as a result of eating pizza. And this can be an example of engaging in diet mentality. So you've got this, you know, existing label of pizza as bad. You eat pizza, you know, neutral fact here. You have a thought of, I shouldn't have done that. That was bad. I was wrong. And then you feel guilt. And that is such a dieting mentality loop. And what we find, and this may be subconscious, what we typically find is that these diet mentality thoughts are rooted in fears that you have around weight and weight gain. Let's just call it what it is because we have to kind of hold up that mirror and understand the root of these thoughts and behaviors in order to heal from them and and move on, okay? So in this example, if we keep kind of walking through this, the only reason you think pizza is bad is because the impact you fear it's going to have on your weight. And this may be something that you are not even consciously aware of. You may not be willing to be open and honest about, about that fear. And, you know, Unless you are able to look at that fear and be honest about it, at least with yourself, then it's going to be really, really challenging to overcome those diet mentalities. We have to start at a root cause level, okay? So we talked about diet mentality. Then diet behavior often comes as a result of this type of thinking, okay? So if we return to this pizza example, if pizza is bad and you ate pizza, now you're bad and the whole day is ruined. And since the day is ruined, you might as well keep eating because you know you're going to you know, start over on Monday, okay? Now, in my decade of diets, I definitely engaged in my fair share of diet mentality and diet behavior. So please know that Everything I'm sharing with you on this episode, there is literally zero judgment in anything that I'm sharing because I've been there big time, okay? And what's so interesting for me as I look back on my own journey, you know, it's not like I was on Weight Watchers or doing Whole30 for 10 years straight. I was on and off these official diets, but I was still deeply entrenched in diet mentality and it showed up everywhere. So many of the decisions I made from what I ate to the way that I exercised to the major I chose in college to, you know, the way I would interact at social gatherings to, you know, the way that I interpreted people's opinions of me. It was all deeply influenced by my dieting mentality. And at the core, this fear of weight and weight gain. And let me just say that diet mentality is a very tricky thing to shake for so many reasons, right? I think on one hand, you know, so much of this is is cultural and systemic, right? The reason we fear weight gain is because of fat phobia, right? And the way that those are just these culturally held beliefs that unless we you know shine a light on and question and again get really 
honest with ourselves about, we can never move past and really heal from, okay? So again, diet mentality is really tricky on one hand because of societal norms, beauty standards, and then the way that we internalize those things. And then there's this whole conflation between weight and health, right? And health, I'm using air quotes over here, has really been commandeered by the dieting industry, right? The dieting industry saw this, you know, rise in, in trendiness and, and frankly spending in wellness and they latched right onto it, right? They see diets becoming more frowned upon, but they see wellness growing. And so they just shapeshift, right? That's what happens. Diets and diet culture, they just shapeshift to stay relevant. So interesting, right? So diet mentality, so tricky because it is literally embedded in our culture and because as individuals, we are often not aware of it even happening. We've been taught to count points. We've been taught to track our calories. We've been taught how to abide by, you know, yes and no foods lists. We've been taught how to comply with diets, but we have not been taught how to engage with our thoughts in order to overcome them. Okay. And that is why we spend so much work, you know, at a very high level on the podcast, at a very deep level with our clients to help them engage in that process from, again, a root cause perspective. So as I shared in episode two, if you haven't listened to that, if you're new here, I really recommend you go back and listen to episode two, where I share my story. I speak to getting my MS diagnosis. And initially, this brought back for me a lot of diet mentality as I began to really, again, conflate my weight and my health. And I started to look at my weight as a problem or some kind of symptom of my illness, even though I actually had no evidence of that. Isn't that so interesting? And it was just falling back during unfamiliar and, and frankly, you know, frightening times, falling back to old habits, falling back to old ways of thinking. I call this using our bodies as a scapegoat. And, and whether you do it in light of, you know, a chronic illness uh, of a diagnosis like I did, or if you just use it during a particularly stressful time of your life, where you take the fears and concerns and worries that you have about the very real things that you're going through. And instead of looking at those and addressing those head on and doing the, the tough, you know, work to face those and the thoughts and the emotions that they bring up, instead you divert your energy to your body. Use your body as your scapegoat or your punching bag, right? And again, I've been there, been there big time. But fortunately, during this chapter of my life, I was so much more aware of, you know, the pitfalls of of dieting, of both diet behavior and diet mentality. So I was really just aware enough at that point of this slippery slope to be able to pull myself out of it and really redefine an authentic and individualized approach to my health that is both broad and deep. And I explained that a little bit more on, on episode two, and I know that we'll get into even greater detail as we progress further along in the podcast, okay? The third thing I learned from my decades, my decades, my decade, give or take, no, I'd say decade plus, <laughs> it was definitely at least 10 years, right? And then we get into this like gray area. Uh, but the third thing I've learned is that the most sustainable way to eat 
is guided by intuition and internal compass, not external rules. But let me just say, again, it took a lot of work for me to get to a place where I could first listen to those signs, my hunger and fullness cues, my cravings, my desires. Again, first I had to learn to listen to them and re-engage with them after years of diets telling me like, how many times have you heard like keto, you'll never be hungry again, or you'll never experience cravings again, right? And diets really do on a physiological level disconnect us from those signs that are going on in our bodies and like those lines of communication. So there's like that piece of it. And then there's listening to it and trusting it, right? There's listening to your body and then there's trusting your body. And oftentimes those are two different things. And to really be able to approach your your health and your nutrition in a sustainable, loving way, you have to listen to your body and trust it and take action that aligns with it. Okay. So when I first began the work to achieve my own nutritional freedom, I was actually thinking about food a lot, a lot, a lot. I had a lot of fears and and confusion that really slowed me down. And that was even for me as a nutrition professional. Just because I'm a registered dietitian does not mean that I've been immune to diet culture and, and the media and all the things that make nutrition so overwhelming. And so my personal journey took far longer than that of our clients because I didn't have the same support that they do. Okay. So that's, you know, been super interesting just to see, you know, the difference in timeline between like my personal solo journey and then the way that our clients kind of um, go through it much more efficiently. But regardless, that initial, you know, phase of having to put so much time and effort into food even though I was, you know, free from diets, what I see is that it was an investment of thought. Okay. So whether you're doing it on your own or doing it with the support of a coach, learning to achieve nutritional freedom is challenging at first, but it gets easier as you develop this trust we're talking about. You learn new skills because it's not just a free for all, right? And then you ultimately experience that freedom. Whereas dieting, on the other hand, it starts out difficult it stays difficult, and then there's no long-term upside, okay? So again, when it comes to pursuing your nutritional freedom, the initial work, all the thought and effort and, and feelings and you know challenges that you have to go through, it's an investment, not an expenditure. I think of you know pursuing your nutritional freedom as buying a house and dieting as renting an apartment, right? So with renting an apartment, you're, you're spending but you're not ultimately kind of invested in anything. Whereas with your home, you know, paying a mortgage, you're putting in that investment, but you own it, right? So think about how different that feels. This idea of, you know, learning to eat the way you're going to eat for the rest of your life. I tell our clients all the time, you know, especially in the beginning as they're, you know, feeling maybe a little bit overwhelmed and, and a little bit, you know, they're facing those fears and learning these new skills and learning how to trust themselves. I will literally tell them like, you are training. <laughs> you are training to eat the way you're going to eat for the rest of your life. And so the fact that it's a little bit hard and the fact that it's taking a little bit of time, that's okay. 
And, and again, they're really fortunate to have the structure and the support to make that journey in a much more effective and efficient way than I did trying to figure it all out by myself. Okay. But think about how different that feels, right? So if I tell you in your nutritional freedom journey, you are training to eat the way you're going to eat for the rest of your life. How different is that from when you start a diet and you're like, okay, I'm going to do this for 30 days and then I'm going to go back to eating normally, right? I, I hear this and I heard myself say this to like friends or, or my partner, you know, when I would reassure them like, hey, I'm just doing this for 30 days. I promise you I haven't lost my mind, right? I'm just doing no gluten, no dairy, no sugar, no carbs, no this, no that, none of that, none of this. <laughs> I'm just doing it for 30 days, right? I promise I haven't lost my mind. Or, you know, while you're on the diet, you fantasize about how you're going to eat when it's all over. Contrast that with, I'm training, I'm learning how to eat the way I'm going to eat for the rest of my life. Oh my gosh, I love it. Again, number three, the most sustainable way to eat is guided by your intuition and your internal compass. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Okay. Number four. The fourth and arguably most important thing that I've learned and had, frankly, the privilege to experience is that I experience life so much more fully now that my brain isn't taken up by concerns about food, my body, or even health. So I eat and I move and I prioritize other healthy habits like sleep and stress management, my emotional health. I do all of it in a way that is truly sustainable and thereby consistent so that this autopilot creates a lot of space for what's actually important to me in life. Let me just be very frank with you. If I were still dieting, I would not have started my business. I would not be on this podcast. I don't think I would be with John, my fiance. There are so many aspects of life that I wouldn't have even known or gotten to experience nearly as fully. I think about, you know, recent like beach trips I've gone on where I literally had the moment to reflect and be like, wow, I remember when showing up on this trip and being in a bathing suit would have been an anxiety inducing experience rather than something so restorative and beautiful. So it's like little stuff and the big stuff right? That I've been able to experience with so much more love and enjoyment and appreciation because I'm not so concerned with food, my body, or even my health. Okay. Because so much of that is again, just kind of on, on autopilot. It's taken care of. And I trust myself to take care of it. So I have the energy now to act in alignment with my core values. So my core values are freedom integrity, purpose, and growth. And I act in alignment with these in a way that I never did when I was dieting. When I was dieting, I had no idea what my values were. I would have never even thought <laughs> to, to put any work into those. I didn't have the brain space for it. Like, honestly, I feel like I had no idea who I was as a person outside of my obsessions with food and my aspirations to take up less space. Whew. I mean, really, if I could go back to my myself in my late teens, my early 20s, and just, gosh, I would just love to, to tell that girl like what was ahead of her and how much bigger her life would get when she let go 
of this obsession with being smaller. Gives it like, I mean, seriously, it gives me goosebumps. I could, if, if we keep going here, I'm going to end up crying. So we're just not, <laughs> we're not going to do it. Okay. I'm going to close this out here. So I'm very clearly not a fan of diets. <laughs> Can I say that again? Can I little louder for people in the back? All right. But I do recognize that without my own personal journey, I likely wouldn't be able to support our clients through their own. Okay. So if you want a little guidance on your own journey to nutritional freedom, right? Again, I did it, but it was slow going and it was, it was painful. (laughs) So if you want a little more guidance, a little bit more support and structure, I will encourage you to sign up for our free mini course, the three keys to never diet again. So when you sign up for the free course, you're going to get a workbook and three days of video lessons to help you get started in your own process of ditching diets and getting healthy for good. Thank you so much for being here. I am just having so much fun with the podcast. If you're enjoying it, please leave a rating, a review on iTunes, send me a direct message on Instagram. I love, love, love hearing from y'all. Send me your takeaways from the podcast. It's just been so much fun. And I'm seriously so grateful for you spending some time here with me today. So enjoy the rest of your day and I will see you next week. Bye.